Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. This is our exclusive preview of the match, uh, or should I say, Capital One's Capital the match. One presents the match. Presents the match. Is that what it is? I don't know. Capital One's the match. It's a mouthful. Missed opportunity for the match presented by Capital One. I mean, I wonder. How, I don't know how the estates of uh, Harvey Ward, Ken Venturi, Byron Nelson, and uh, Ben Hogan feel about using the name the match. It seems kind of weird. Yeah, they could have could have got a little more creative. There's some issues with the match, and we're going to get into some of that. It might be a match. It might be a match. <laughs> Capital um, One's a match. We have hopefully uh, what is you'll hear from a few guests here later in the podcast. DJ and I are getting ready to fly out. We're recording this on Monday of Match Week. Uh, we're getting ready. The to Match Week. The a, Match. A week. Match. That's week. my bad. <laughs> Ready to fly out west and um, interview the two participants in the match. Um, we had a lot of debate on figuring out what, how we wanted to handle it, how we wanted to work it out. Uh, DJ, why don't you walk us through kind of what the thought process was there? <laughs> well, Sally uh, had gotten a phone call when we were at Sea Island. There's a lot of a lot of uh, handlers, I, I guess. I, it's kind of a reductive term, but you know, a lot of people making this thing happen. There's a lot of people involved. <clears throat> a lot, of, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Uh, one of them, who was kind of uh, had had a lot of access to both players, had said, "Hey, you know, I think it might be kind of cool if you guys wanted to uh, have Tiger and Phil on your podcast." Sounds great. <laughs> For some reason, uh, you know, we we had kind of we were slightly hesitant. We uh, Solly, I think, was all in. Uh, Tron and I were kind of on the fence. Randy, I don't know where you were. Randy's probably out. Very cynical. Rand, cynical. Randy wanted to, you know. He was looking to go interview like the the people like the Nebraska four ball this week or something, uh, but no. The the only reason we were hesitant was uh, a couple strings. You know, it's it's going to be kind of a 10, 15 minute thing. It's about the match. No no um, surprise there. And so you know we're looking at like what this podcast is, and a lot of times it's it's long form. It's getting into guys' backgrounds. It's uh, it's taking a much longer view approach uh at at those kinds of interviews and this is not going to be that um and so that was that was my only hesitation was like look do we want to you know i I don't want to bait and switch anybody into thinking this is a full-on a full-on interview with these guys because it's not going to be that it's going to be 10 or 15 minutes um we hope we haven't recorded we hope we haven't recorded it yet uh but i I think eventually you know someone kind of snapped their fingers and was like hey like it's fucking Tiger and Phil on the like it's literally Tiger and Phil on the on the podcast. We're recording this right now in a house that we've nicknamed the Kill House based on like a throwaway comment from Ti- like Tiger <laughs> Tiger runs like every part of our golf fandom. It's, he's it's the, the cat. cat. It's, it's the, the cat. cat. Yeah. yeah. And uh so ultimately I think we came to the decision of like I mean who knows what what it's going to be but it's it's tiger and phil like let's just go do it and see i just hope we don't i hope we don't compromise on our journal on our lofty journalistic uh <laughs> integrity and Big you know J's. i don't want them dictating exactly what questions i want you guys to go out there and ask even though it's in a defined space i want you guys dictating what questions you want to ask okay. oh, we've got it we've got we got our questions ready so that was that was you know i, I feel like hey it's not a bad situation because we don't I don't necessarily owe them anything. You know, they're looking for some 
for some eyeballs, for some pay-per-view clicks. Sure. And Sally, I think you said it earlier. We've we've reached the the nadir of uh, it's, you know, this thing bottomed of, out. Like the match had such horrible momentum right off the bat, and they just kind of all compounded on top of each other. Decision not to have fans and not to blah blah blah. It just all the the PR was kind of a disaster for this thing. It got off to a terrible start. And I feel like it's come back around, at least at minimum, to the point where we have to give this thing a shot. For That's sure. my take on it. Is There's like, nothing going on on Friday. Yeah. it's. I mean, I know everyone's pumped for West Virginia, Oklahoma Friday night, but like, <laughs> let's get, well, just to get us there. Uh, I know Randy's got some takes as to how they could have done it differently. I think if they all wanted to do it over again, there's a million things they would do differently, but like... You know what I'd also like probably would do differently? Like our first 50 podcasts. <laughs> like everything we've ever done, like the first iteration is – there's always things to improve upon. So I think uh, for as much as we've wanted different things to happen in golf, uh, how cool would it – so let, let's let's say something random happened. Like they added a stroke play event this week. If we were sitting around watching it, we would be like, you know what would be cool? If like Tiger and Phil had a match. Like I would watch that. <laughs> yeah, they screwed up a lot of the details, but like it's this is going to be worth at least seeing. It might stink. It very well might, but like it's going to be worth well, seeing. Well, going a step farther, I think it's only tw- – it's $20. Yeah, that's – Yeah. Which is like three beers on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving out at the bar basically. And, and it's – it's the kind of thing where we bitch a lot about the amount of commercials on telecasts and, and how staid and conservative and, and outdated golf broadcasts are. Let's see what they do differently. Um, that's the part that I'm keeping an open mind for. I think some of the quote-unquote wagers and all of that I think is a little bit of window dressing. But the actual views and vantage points and camera angles, and, and I, I'm curious to see what they do there because I think these are – these matches are probably a trend that we'll see continue because these, you know, some of the better players in the world want to get a little bit more of their piece of the pie. I think that's why I'm rooting for it. I think is like there, there is a lot to be learned from these, and Rory coming out and like dismissing it very strongly. I was surprising because I'm thinking you, there's a person that could probably benefit a lot from some of these things financially. I mean, yeah. who would, who wouldn't want to watch Rory and, and Randy's boy, Ricky in a match or something like that. So, so gross. <laughs> brought to you by quick and load. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you guys. That's, that's what kind of swayed me at the last minute, not the last minute, but you know, I, I was as cynical as, as anyone about it. And I, I don't want to, my biggest fear with this was that, you know, we, it would look like we had a little bit of of access waved under our noses and now suddenly we, you know we're, we're, we're going to fluff we have this glowing review of it and I, I don't think that's the case but i think it's just pure it, it's curiosity of okay i can't i legitimately like there's there's really no holds barred on this they should be able to do anything they want so i'm curious to see what that is and the other thing is like you said Tron, I mean, we we talk so much about there's 900 million stroke play events every year and anything that's different like we really should be rooting for and certainly not writing off before it even starts so there, there's a couple of elements that are concerning uh but I, I mean we'll talk about those afterwards we'll Here, see how they feel here's what i think is actually the most important thing about it from a casual like a viewer perspective is i feel like when fox got into the game at the u.s open in 2015 that broadcast was a disaster that first year they'll they'll flat out tell you that However, it changed the game a little bit in terms of pro tracer use and like being willing to do different stuff. And I feel like this has has that opportunity. There is somebody 
outside of the realm of golf that is going to go for something crazy. And it, hopefully that raises the bar on broadcast in other places. Randy, you look like you uh, still have some concerns over there. Well, I have concerns. I think we all share in some concerns. Um, you know, I think the biggest disappointment. You take no pleasure in having these concerns. No, yeah. and I and I really don't want to like be just that guy who takes the opposite side. But I, I think the biggest concern or, or the, the biggest thing they screwed up, in my opinion, is not playing for their own money. Um, I, I think once they decided to make it like this sponsor purse that they play for, I, I think it loses a little bit of interest. Um, it loses a little bit of intrigue, I guess. Are they really going to pony up four or five? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I think it. If that's the case, like it just doesn't happen. So yeah, the option is: Hey, should we pay for it or have somebody else pay for it? <laughs> well, I guess, but they didn't need to play for nine million. I guess is my. Point. I agree like, with that. Had they each ponied I, yeah. up five hundred k and then yeah. played for a million bucks. That's a lot more interesting to me than playing for somebody else's money. I get no thrill out of the amount of money that they're playing for. I I don't care about that at all. And the tour said you guys can't play for. Well, I don't know if that's ten million because that's alleged. But I I don't know. Very strong. The initial report was that it's ten million dollars. Now they're playing for nine million dollars, and I can only think of one other ten million dollar purse (laughs) in golf that might have been offended by that number. So we're we're connecting strings, true detective style. But I, I, you know, well, the other thing too is uh, they're probably getting some money on the back end. They are too. No, they are. There's there's like a a a organization basically set up for revenue that is according to the Golf World article by Dave Shedlowski. Like there is money to be made off of the actual pay-per-view and match right. stuff from these guys as well. So, I mean, you got to think about how many people need paid off this, how many people are working <laughs> yeah. on this thing and how much has gone into it. I mean, all the airtime that's gone on TNT and, you know, Ernie and them, you know, interviewing Tiger while he's in the Bahamas. Like, this isn't just like, all right, 9 million in goes to these two guys. Yeah, like sure. it's MGM's involved. Like it's a, and I think that's part of what your beef is, Randy. It's like, there's just so much going on. In well, when you get that many cooks in the kitchen, correct? it just loses, it just becomes this out of control, nebulous, you know, big thing that, yeah, I think strays from, well, what's interesting at the heart of it is Tiger versus Phil. And when you start attaching all this other crap, like all it can do is just detract, I think, from my interest in like purely what should be Tiger versus Phil. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder, too, what the involvement of the gaming commission would prevent Tiger and Phil like, from putting up their own money. I don't know. I know there's a lot of thought that has gone into down to like where they put the pins for some of these challenges that are going to happen where like the gaming commission has to make sure that it's set up to be fair. I, I have no idea like what, if they put up their own money, what kind of element that yeah. adds to it's it. It's the nanny state. It's like you, you don't allow, no one else is allowed to bet on themselves in sporting events True. or bet against themselves. So um, I think it's, it's, it's uh, it's complicated. The whole thing is very complicated. Well, well, I think what Randy's saying is they should do it for the love of the game. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, what, and, and I for sure concede that maybe it's not possible for them to like put up their own money. I, I don't know what rules and restrictions are. But what I am saying is I think it would be much more interesting if like what are our favorite stories are like the tiger phil gambling stories on like monday right just play that match like yo you all just play each other and make the stakes what you want between the two of you and play for each other's money like i'm watching that 
when it's nine million dollars of Capital One, and I, it just it just loses some of that Randy's natural intrigue. That there's, there's not a Capital One cafe here in Jacksonville. <laughs> but I think too, what else bothers me is, and Tron, you touched on this, like the side bets and the money goes to charity. Like this is going to sound terrible. Like God bless the charities for getting money. But like, it just like, what are we doing? Like we're going to Vegas and we're having this like winner take all lots of money. And then it's like the side bets are for charity. It, it just feels so mismatched. Well, it's kind of, it's Tron's favorite thing is, uh, you know, the birdies for charity sort of thing. It's like, just give the money to charity. Right. <laughs> just, right. Just give it to him. Like, why, why are we doing this? And if we're going out there to have this like gluttonous, like winner take all money match, then just take the money. Like, don't, <laughs> right. yeah, don't, don't give it That's a charity. Shadow Creek of all places. It just feels like they they want to try to do everything and by trying to be too much to too many people it, it just it it cheapens the whole my thing. biggest complaint thus far has been trying to make it one of golf's most illustrious rivalries in, in actuality how many times have tiger and phil other than the time that phil beat tiger's ass at pebble <laughs> a few years back that was sick um, but Listen, that was sick. but like they, they both just have kind of done their own thing and, and it, it's been more of a non-rivalry than, than it has been a, a passionate, no holds barred, you know, instinctive rivalry. Yeah. It's just that, that, that to me has felt the most forced of the whole. I was surprised thing. they didn't actually play up more of their used to dislike each other. They kind of actually downplayed it. Like the people, the media is overhyped that we didn't like each other. I was, that was surprising to me. I thought that they had a good chance to fake it if you need to, but like give us the, Oh yeah, I couldn't stand that guy. He was out of shape and blah, blah, blah. And you know, tiger head inferior equipment. That, that would have been, that would have been some good trash talk. I but. feel like I don't even know tiger anymore. He's palling around with Bryson. He's getting <laughs> along with everybody. He's in a stable relationship. He's like, new cat. He's accepting podcast requests. Yeah. He's new, new cat. Yeah. It's everything done. Everything, everything just kind of feels whitewashed and vanilla a little bit. I, are you going to watch? I mean, yeah, because I think we're going to be together, right? We're going to split. Randy, we're going to we're going to lock you in the house, <laughs> yeah. in the kill house, and make you. So up. yeah, I'll, I'll watch You're it. Pitch in your five bucks, and we'll split it four ways. Well, so we we talked about this uh, a bit too, just like offline, kind of debating. You know, do we want to stay out there? So this is we're recording this Monday. We're allegedly talking to Tiger and Phil uh, on Tuesday, which the second half of this podcast is going to be very interesting if that falls through, because it'll be me and Solly. <laughs> we might be re-recording at like the golden nugget uh, <laughs> drowning our sorrows. Uh, but uh, yeah, we debated like, do we want to stay, you know, through Thanksgiving and stay for the match and, and be on site? And I think, I don't know how you guys feel, but to me, the most, the most exciting part of this is these guys being mic'd up nonstop for 18 holes with no commercials. I mean, that's like, that's the dream. It's exciting, but also has me nervous that it's going to be way. I mean, I, I feel it's going to have two pages worth of one liners prepared, like <laughs> hellacious seed from the 24 <laughs> seven was, he thought it was way better than it was. Like I was in on hellacious seed. He's going to have a lot of those. And, uh, I'm a little nervous about the, the it being a bit too forced. Are, uh, I do go ahead, Randy. No, I was just going to ask, are the mics going to be up the whole time? Or is I it, are we going to be in the hands of a producer? I got to imagine. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, Hey, listen, hey. that's, I don't know the answer to that, but I can find someone who does. Thank we'll you find guys. out for it. We're going to get some answers on so, the back. Yeah, I'm glad we're, you know, we, we had the opportunity to go out and watch it out there on site. I don't think there's any upside to being 
mm-hmm. on site or inside ropes. I don't even know if they're going to have ropes with, I guess yeah, I they've got know. a hundred or 200 VIPs there, but it's a made for TV product. Yeah. Watch yeah. it on TV. So yeah. also supposedly um, part of the reason why they, and one of the things people had beef with was they weren't allowing fans. But part of the reason was that it was because they can't legally fly drones above big crowds ah, of people. And there are going to be drones like hovering over. We're hoping, I hope this happens as well in the back half of this. We're going to talk to a producer from TNT to uh, talk about how they're going to cover this event and why it's interesting. Um, but, uh, okay. I got two questions before we wrap things up. I think the most interesting thing about the match is the ramifications going forward yes. in the golf world. Agreed. And if totally. we want to quickly talk about that it's pilot season right now, it's exactly <laughs> pilot season. And then two, does this like, would you pay 20 bucks to watch anybody else? play right now oh that's a good question that's a, that is a good question patrick reed versus any like jordan speed that would pay probably 54 right now that'd be pretty <laughs> that'd be cool that would be cool yeah i don't know that's a good that's a really good question and something that i'm sure uh producers and everyone are, are trying to figure out but like i pay i would pay i don't know 20 bucks a month for a channel for golf that didn't have commercials. Are you kidding? Like that would, that's part of the reason I don't tune in to watch with hot mics for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's alone for paying to not have commercials. I wouldn't pay 20 bucks every time I turn the TV on, but I think there's something to this. The the difference between no commercials and commercials, it's a lot of air to fill a little nervous about that, but it sounds like they have a plan for it. That is like worth the price of admission. I think alone right there. I think there's kind of like a dirty secret about that though, because I remember it's happened a couple times. If you watch as much like PJ tour live and uh, just web tour coverage and whatever, as, as all of us kind of do, sometimes you'll get that weird thing where like the mic feeds aren't working and you're just watching natural sound golf. I remember the web tour. Oh, that was the it was the best. Maybe it, they might, it might've even been the nationwide tour at that time. Uh, I think I forget who the producer is. I think Brant Packer, maybe I don't want to give credit to the wrong person, but I, th- I think that's who it is. And they did this thing where it was a Saturday afternoon or maybe even like Friday or something. And they said, okay, we're going to we're, this is totally experimental, but we're going to try to have a telecast, two-hour telecast with basically no commentators. So, you know, we'll give you an intro at the top of the hour. We'll give you periodic updates, but the rest is just going to be nat sound. And it was awesome. <laughs> so that's kind of the other aspect of this is if they have a little bit of restraint, like I'll watch tiger and phil just walk around and stalk their shot and read their putt and i don't need anybody yes talking like just i don't need anybody talking i think the worst thing they could do is try to fill all that air right whereas it's like that's why dude it's what we're watching golf terrifies yeah we're not watching you know it's not like stand-up comedy hour here that we're watching it's it's a golf tournament, yeah. right? Like just, well, just leave the, leave the air natural. And that feels like watching golf. And that's my hope too. Like if we're going to pay 20 bucks, I want it to be like a voyeuristic experience yeah. instead yeah. of well said. Phil coming like prepared with one liners yeah. and them like fake juice kind feeling of. like they got to ham up for the cameras. Like, no, just be yourselves, please. And just we'll eavesdrop on the whole thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm look, I'm cautiously optimistic. I feel much better than I did kind of when that first trailer rolled out. That was not, Oh, that was brutal. I was not, I thought it was going to be a lot more fake juice than, than, uh, I think it will be, but 24 seven has me, it was has solid. me excited. It wasn't spectacular. Um, it was solid. I mean, yeah. HBO can make anything yeah. look interesting. That's very That's true. true. I think we can all agree, right? That no one except has, the young Pope. That was bad. <laughs> no one has cared more 
about not caring about something as the people that hate this match. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I think that's a, that's well said. There's no go, reason to hate it before yeah. we've seen anything. Like, oh, there's no way I'll ever spend money on this. Yeah, okay. Replying to every yeah. tweet, it's like, yeah, just cool. ignore it. Though. Honestly, yeah, I'm more easy. keen to watch this match than I am like Tiger's event in the Bahamas. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I agree. Totally. They get world ranking points for that yeah. one, which is a disgrace, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> it's a topic for another podcast. They should give world ranking points away for this. That would just, <laughs> just to trigger you. So, um, all right, without further ado, well, listen, let's go to the airport. I don't know how it's going to go, but we'll, we'll, we'll try our best. Hopefully up next after this sentence is Tiger Woods on the no laying up podcast. Last call here before we bring in the big guy. Callaway has done it again with another unbelievable original short film series. You heard us talk on this podcast about their series Golf Lives, which was the home course series. It documents three completely different and diverse golf courses in D.C., Nebraska and Portland and what they mean to the people that play them. If you haven't, you must check those out at CallawayGolf.com slash Golf Lives. And now they just launched their newest original series called The Jump, which highlights four of their youngest stars, including Maverick McNeely, who you just heard on this podcast last week, Sam Burns, who managed to outduel Tiger on Sunday at last year's Honda Classic, Norman Young, the Oregon standout who swings a driver at 130 plus miles an hour, and Dylan Meyer, aka DJ Defunk, who finished in finished T20 at last year's US Open at Shinnecock. So Callie was able to showcase the unique personalities of each of these guys as they document their transition from golf's minor leagues to the PGA Tour. And each film is less than three minutes long, so it's easy to binge the entire series of The Jump. So check them out at CallawayGolf.com slash The Jump or download Callaway TV on Roku and Apple TV and watch right on your TV at home. And as an added bonus, you can also watch Taurus Sauce Season 2, our original series on Callaway TV. So make sure you download that today. All right, so we have arrived in Las Vegas. We're in the shadow of uh, the MGM Grand right now. The interview's done. Yeah. Uh, we had a 12-6 curveball thrown at us at the last minute. Uh, we stayed in the box, hit a little yeah, we were, gapper. Yeah, we were kind of like tr- like trying to wait on it, wait on it, wait, and then just kind of a front foot like slap. Seeing eye. Slap double. Yeah. yeah. I hope it was a double. I mean, I think yeah. maybe a, may a right field error. Three that, minutes <laughs> before we were supposed to record, uh, we got asked to combine the two of them together. We weren't set up for that so we had to split up i interviewed tiger dj interviewed phil in the bathroom <laughs> on a phone microphone uh which is just threw us all for a loop so we got our time cut down which uh, let me say is understandable like they, yes i was in awe of how many interviews these guys did throughout the day every time we saw them they were doing another tv crew another this another that no other no other podcast i don't think i think we we're the only podcast which i don't know if that worked for us or against us uh but uh, listen, we were listen. thrilled to have them on. Yeah, no, it was great. Of course, we'd like to have more time, but in a different scenario. But that was awesome. Thank you to both of them for doing it, for everyone that made it happen. Without further ado, we're going to play Tiger first, and then we're going to cut to Phil and DJ in the bathroom, uh, which went as about as good listen, as it could. Listen, what an honor. I think, honestly, like that might become kind of my block. <laughs> Is If there's anyone listening to this that wants to do an interview in the bathroom, I'm game if you're game. Um, just, you know, I'm, I'm very easy to get a hold of. Just, just let me know. All right, let's roll it. On the team from USA, Tiger Woods. All right, Tiger, you've done exhibitions in the past, but never anything like this. Why did you want to do this? Well, I wanted to be a part of the game in, in a different way. You know, I've done um, matches under the lights before in the past, and uh, this is something that's different. This is something that was, is unique and is interesting. Yeah, there's a, a huge um, economic um, 
uh, importance to the to this event. Um, but I understand that this is also doing something that's never been done before, and you know, and trying to make something like this successful is a unique challenge. And I found intriguing and I'm very interested in it. We've heard stories of Phil's gamesmanship. Is he, <laughs> is he actually good at it, or is he just good at telling everybody how good he is at gamesmanship? He's both. Okay. He's definitely both. You what's, know, a good, Phil, what's a good example of a well, jab? Phil is is one that is very more outwardly towards his jab, with his jabs, and he tries to uh, subtly, not always say subtly, also subtly, uh, try and get in your head with either wagers or it's uh, just one-liners and just uh, things and on top of that once he gets up he's one of the worst front runners there is how so because he'll just non-stop chap yeah you know he just uh he'll chirp non-stop and then when he's down it's a little different deal you are know? you the same though when you're up on him are you jabbing at him like that nah, I'm, I'm more of, you know more subtle than that yeah. you know and i've always been that way uh more so on on the <laughs> because of the nature of our, of our tour, uh, that's one of the unique things ab- about this uh, pay-per-view event is that we're having uh, mics on there live nonstop. Well, I was describing to one of the interviews earlier is that um, yeah, it's just going to be very different from what you normally face. And I said, in essence, not really. Uh, because when I get to the golf course, I'm, I have a camera on me. When I get to the putting green or sure. range, I have a camera on me. I've had people try to sneak, sneak in you know, camera phones and try and catch live or audio remarks in you know, shag bags that we get on a, with golf balls. You know, I've had it all. Mm-hmm. And so this is not the, too different from what I have to face in a week in and week out. Yes, it's a live mic the entire time, but you know we have boom mics that are trying to get us the entire time. We have camera phones that people are on tee boxes that are, are open and trying to record you know what we're saying or even post different things from if I'm having a conversation with my caddy or with another player, um, you'll have gallery members that are you know, have their camera phones out trying to record all this. Sure. So this is not too uncommon, too new to me. You mentioned having cameras on you from the time you arrive. I felt like this year you kept upping your game in your arrival attire. You went, you started going cutoff sleeves. You had backwards hats, sunglasses. <laughs> was that a conscious thing? No, it wasn't. No, I, I'll be <laughs> honest you with you. knew the internet I, was going to go wild I had, for that. I had done that so many times throughout the years. Um, but the only difference is that this year there's been a lot more interest in, I think, the of you know my round that particular day, and you know sometimes they, they would cut me, they would catch me with you know cut off sleeves because I just came from the workout trailer which is in the parking lot, mm-hmm. and so I'd walk from the parking lot and didn't want to get my clothes um, you know all sweaty because I'm, I'm going to take a shower in a clubhouse, and so yeah they they get me in. Uh, you know those situations, um, but that's not too uncommon for a lot of the tour pros. Mm-hmm. A lot of tour pros, and I just again happen to have cameras on me all the time once <laughs> yeah. I arrived at the golf course. So something that is unique and what I would say, un, well, not say unique, but it's uncommon for me. Um, is well, it's normality that for me showing up at a golf course and doing these different things has not been captured. You're in Phil's relationship. It seems like it has <clears throat> evolved over the years and you guys have been kind of quick to downplay some of the previous mm. parts of your relationship. But I want to know, take me back to like the early to mid 2000s. What's that relationship like? Do you guys text each other? Do you talk on the range? And how is that different than it is today? No, we, we definitely didn't, didn't text one another back in those days. Uh-huh. Uh, we were competing against one another. I was one and, and he was two in the world for so many weeks. And we were trying to outdo one another. And it's very similar to what Jack and Arnold went through early part of their career. 
you know, they didn't really acknowledge one another, you know, like they did later in their career. And certainly post, you know, post playing at, at an elite level, um, they became a lot closer. And that's what has transitioned with us is that we become, we've become, we've understood that, that we are certainly more alike than we would like to admit. <laughs> Uh, and we both care and passionate about a lot of the same things. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why you know, Phil's donating you know, his charitable efforts to the military. I was born and raised around the military. My father served. And you know, so these are things that, you know, I wasn't really privy to uh, early on in my relationship with him. But I've become very close to with him in a lot of these aspects. If you could swap out one part of your game for one part of Phil's game. Oh, it's definitely be? a short game. Yeah, that's easy. One. It's it's sick. You know, it's uh, what he can do around the greens is just uh, just amazing. I I got a chance early in my career. Um, I was working with Butch and Sevy was working with Butch at the same time that we'd coincide a lot of my training camps around Sevy, and so I got a chance to get to know Sevy at a at a pretty good level around you know short game wise and watch him hit a lot of shots and have him explain a lot of the things how he did it. You know, what he did was phenomenal, but I think what Phil does is even better because Seve had had a 56-degree sandwich, and he had to make it work. You know, the the pins weren't as tight then, but the greens were a little bit slower. But with the pins are being so tight and Phil going to like a 60 or 64 degrees of loft, he's able to hit shots that no one could hit. But then again, he's trying to pull off shots that, that no one's ever tried to pull off, and he does. You know, that's what made Seve so amazing is that he hit shots that we only maybe even thought about entertaining for, you know, a millisecond, but he'd pull it off. Well, Phil's doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. What seems like high risk to a lot of us is not high risk to him because he's that good. If you had to pick a partner for a $9 million match, who's the first phone call? What's the first phone call you're making? Well, that's easy. It's Phil. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, the way because of his gambling, because of, yeah. of what what he does all the time, and uh, the amount of side wagers that he always plays with, and he's very good at, at playing in these types of um, these type of games. He does it every Tuesday. You know, you look at him at major championships or it's um, weekend. Uh, sorry, no- normal events. Uh, his Tuesday games are legendary. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are. You know, pick a partner, come get us, and therefore, you know, pretty large amounts, and it's cash on on site, so it's pretty good. All right, we've got a few a list of questions in a folder we marked. If we ever get to interview Tiger, we'll do mm-hmm. a few rapid fires. You did an interview with Bill McAtee in 2015 at the Masters that no one followed up on. Did you really pop a bone in your wrist out of place at the 2015 Masters and put it back in? Mm-hmm, I what did. was the follow up like for that? Was there? I mean, was it all swollen after that? Yeah, it was. Or, yeah. It was swollen, and I didn't play for another couple of weeks. Um, it was ice and stem wow. uh, for a couple of weeks uh, before I tried to even get to the point where I tried to strengthen it again. But I had to get the swelling out. Mm-hmm. What's the most nervous you've ever been over one golf shot? Oh, it's very simple. It was the 92. Uh, Nissan LA Open. It was my first tee shot ever in a PG Tour event. I was an amateur, I was 16. And I'll never forget, it was, eh, this is no, no big deal, right? It's just a three-wood down the fairway, mm-hmm. just like any other three-wood. But I practiced things were fine. I got the ball, teed up, teed up, teed up fine, built a stance, took it back. And all of a sudden, it felt like the club weighed 15 pounds. <laughs> I didn't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. I'd never felt like, I, evidently, I didn't have the nerves until, well, nervousness until I got into a position where I'm starting to make a 
a golf swing to hit this golf ball. So once I get past the takeaway, it's when usually when I start thinking about trying to make a golf swing. And then all of a sudden, boom, this 15-pound object shows up in my hand. And I'll never forget just hitting right down the middle of the fairway, but I don't remember what impact felt like. Right. You blacked out on I was like, wow, I can't believe I should pull that off. And I'd never felt a feeling like that ever since. Has anything in the more competitive part of your career, has anything no, ever No, nothing has that? ever felt like that. I've had some pressure, I think some, some pressure putts that I've made, mm-hmm. but nothing's ever felt like that. If you could have one mulligan for any one shot in your career, what would it be? Oh gosh, there's wouldn't be just one. <laughs> there's there's so many. Uh, I think if I if I look back on the the round I played at the uh, at Quad Cities in '96 when I lost to the you know the Gripper, that was a moment where I had, I'd forgotten all of, of my training and I'd forgotten how I won won events and I got you know. Uh, I took myself out of a rhythm and how I played events and just because it was a tour event. And I learned from that lesson and I won a few weeks later at, at, at Vegas for my first event on tour. But that was a, a, a big learning moment for me. What's your biggest fashion regret in your career? I, none. Because no I, fashion I, regrets? No, because at the time I made it look good. <laughs> <laughs> it was the MC Hammer pants. It was the big baggy shirt, but we all wore them. I know. You know, we... At the time, if you remember, um, Ashworth had the shirts, the double thick cotton that went past our oh, elbows, man. but we all wore them because, you know, Freddie wore them. Yeah. You know, he, he made it look cool. That's why we picked up our sleeves and tried to make it fit and tried to hold it up on our neck. Um, but that was a, a time in which we all wore baggy stuff. And now everything's going to more tighter, streamlined fit. Very last one. What is a skill of yours that you think is somehow unappreciated or underrated that maybe people don't, people don't give you enough credit for? <laughs> Asking you to brag uh, on yourself, but I was always curious to hear that one. I, 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 I'm probably underestimated my level of enjoyment for comics. Yeah? Comics. Yeah, I, I grew up trying to... Um, save you know my 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 savings from you know gambling at the golf course or my paper routes or you know all those different things to buy comics back when you had hard you know hard 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 back comics and so that was a time in which yeah i i've always fell in love with you know marvel and dc universes and uh everyone around me knows that how much i I love it my mom loves it uh she actually keeps me more up to date than i am and so that's been, been, been fun over the years and Cool. Appreciate the time. You got it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks. Thanks. Hi, brother. On the tee from USA, Phil Mickelson. Phil, like I said, I've hoped to speak with you for a long time. This isn't, you know, how I pictured my first time in the the men's bathroom at uh, Shadow Creek. Thank you very much for doing this. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, we always start with kind of the the most pressing question, which for you, I got to believe is the leather jacket on Faraday. Was that you know? Was that a, uh, a conscious choice? Was that a performance art piece of, of some sort? What was what was the thought process? Was there? that uh, the most pressing question? That, that was yeah. So I have multiple uh, leather jackets um, that I wear out mostly with jeans and a t-shirt. That's yeah. kind of my outfit that I feel uh, most comfortable in. So I have probably f- five to eight that I rotate and, and wear. I love it. Um, so you guys are mic'd up this week. Does that mean are you are you going through and kind of writing 
one-liners. You looked extremely comfortable in the press conference. Are you, what's what's that? Does it all come natural to you? You, you seem very well positioned for this. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, uh, we're going to be more affable than we are on yeah. Friday. When we, you know, the intensity and the pressure when you start playing for the, those kind of numbers, uh, especially in a match play head-to-head format, it, it gets to be much more intense. But the uh, smack talk has been a gift that Tigers always had that I've feel like I've been okay at and when we're mic'd I think you're going to kind of see some of the banter that goes on uh, between us you'll certainly get the in-depth analysis that a player in a caddy experiences so I think that uh, this event is going to showcase a side to the competition that most people most viewers don't get to see but one of it is going to be that banter smack talk you talk about Tiger being very skilled in that regard. I don't know if you know people don't always get to see that from him. What is what's he like behind the scenes? Paint a picture well, for the, us. the reason they don't get to see that is he's he's got microphones in his face all the time. So when he does say something, he, he kind of uh, says it under his breath where you can't see his lips move, so that you can't identify that it's him. But he always makes these little subtle, passive passive aggressive jabs, <laughs> and they're funny. I mean, he's great <laughs> at it. I think that that side of him is going to come out in this event and. I think that's a good thing because yeah. uh, it's a bit of a risk anytime you put stuff out there that uh, is more intimate like that, that that uh, you don't always let people in. But I think that side of him is really funny and a, a real plus if, if people have a chance to see it. So to the casual fan, you know, one of the things that kind of jumps out about the match is obviously the money. You guys are, are the two highest earners in, in you know professional golf history. What is... Can you put in perspective, you know, what does $9 million mean to you guys? Is, so, that, a, is that a fair question? Does that make sense? I, I get what you're saying, but keep in mind that it's an entire purse of, of the PGA Tour. It's four times, uh, four or five times what uh, we, we ever play for yeah. uh, for first place check. So it would be the largest uh, first place check ever. And no matter how much money you make, it's enough to make you nervous and uncomfortable. So we, we definitely want to, uh, to win, but what it's... Uh, also doing though is showcasing the future of what watching sports is going to be like because with only two guys we're able to do things you can't do another telecast by limiting the number of people that are watching we're able to have a technical side of production that you can't normally have we're going to have guys a guy with a camera walking around us getting views and, and angles that you never get to see drones that are in uh, up close and personal seeing the shots the swings and so forth as well as having on screen the actual odds of the uh, odds to win the hole, to win the match, to hit certain shots closest to the pin, the side challenges that we're going to have as well as being mic'd. It's uh, more than just uh, the nine million. It's kind of a glimpse into the future of where sports watching is going. So do you, when you, you know, off weeks and everything, do you watch a lot of golf on TV and, and you I, know, have you taken I, uh, any positives, frustrations, anything and put it into this? I usually watch during the season because it helps motivate yeah. me to, to practice. So I'll uh, watch a little bit while I'm practicing on the weekends. Uh, I don't watch too much in November or December because there aren't really tournaments going on. But this is it had a match like this uh, been out there when I was growing up or, or watching uh, as a kid, I would have definitely been uh, a, a part of it and excited to see, just like I was with the Skins game when that right. was out. I, I still crave to, to watch golf, but uh, th- there aren't events uh, that, that excite me at this time. So there's so much stroke play golf throughout the year. There's so much PJ Tour golf, European Tour. I mean, there's there's so much golf that looks very similar. This obviously looks incredibly different. Uh, I'm, I'm curious in that regard, you know, how does this fit into the world of pro golf? And then 
kind of the follow-up there is what excites you about pro golf right now? What concerns you about pro golf? Any, anything like that? Not too much concerns me about professional golf, where it's headed. We've had uh, a great uh, in- infiltration of young, talented, great golfers that are great people, too, that uh, really puts golf in a, a great spot. And uh, I, th- I feel very comfortable about the guys that, uh, that are a big part of the game right now. And this event, though, is a bit of a risk, if you will, because, first of all, golf's never been put on pay-per-view. And second, we've never really taken the risk and had it become so intimate where, where the players are mic'd, where you do get to hear the in-depth conversations between player and caddy, the actual smack talk or or conversations amongst players and what actually goes on inside the ropes. Uh, this, this type of coverage has not ever been done. So it's a bit of a risk that we're taking, but... Uh, I think that from a viewer standpoint, it's also what viewers crave. By taking it off of uh, telecast and putting it on pay-per-view and getting rid of the commercials, you get to hear the in-between shot, in-between shot conversations that takes place. That again is something that uh, you don't ever get to see, and but crave as a viewer. A couple of grab bag things before I let you go, just because you know I'm talking to Phil and I've always wanted to. I've always been sure. curious about Let's these hear things. It. Let's hear it. So I always love listening like to... Like the leather jacket. Right? That's, that's okay, exactly got it. right. What else, what else is interesting to you? <laughs> what, I always enjoy listening to you in press conferences. I always enjoy... You're very thoughtful in, in all of your responses. You. Absolutely. I'm curious, if you were to go back to college right now, what would you study and why? I was a psychology major in college. I used the studies uh, to this day um, on uh, human behavior and my kids and yeah. you know I use it all the time my kids know about a lot of these studies they <laughs> they are aware of it uh, and I I think I would study psychology again because I've been so interested in it uh, really? I don't know what job I would ever Dr. really Nicholson. do no I don't I wouldn't want to do I wouldn't want to be a psychologist psychiatrist because you're always working out of the negative you're always working with people's problems and that's not uh, that's not really how I live I'm much more positive I don't really uh, enjoy that so I don't know what job I would ever do but I really enjoyed being educated in that field. So you've played professional golf for a long time. You've seen a ton of players. Who sticks out to you as the most underrated player you've seen, the most underappreciated player you've, you've played against? Uh, I don't I don't really have a great answer for you. I think the most underestimated player would be Tiger. I don't yeah. think that people realize how uh, great and level and play that he... I've seen him do things with a golf ball and hit shots uh, in certain moments that seem the, to be the impossible that, or certainly the improbable, and he became the norm, and uh, he was able to do it with ease. I saw him do that too much throughout uh, <laughs> my career and his career to, to think that, uh, and, I, and it leads me to believe that people don't appreciate uh, the level of greatness he achieved. And the last thing, uh, you know, you, you've kind of seen Tiger's entire career, both from a you know place of of being a golf star when he arrived on the scene. I'm curious, what do you remember about the first time maybe you, you heard about him, you heard, you know, this young guy is coming, that sort of thing, and then what do you remember about the first time you met him? Uh, I remember hearing about him when he played in the as an amateur in the L.A. Open, and there was just a curiosity, you know. Yeah. But we get that, since Tiger, I've had a lot of uh, players come along and say, oh, this kid is great, He's he got into this tournament, this PGA Tour event, and you watch him, and... There are some good players, but nobody ever turned out to be as great as Tiger. So my first time aware of him was when he was in the LA Open as an amateur. Uh, there was a funny line that Sandy uh, Sandy Lyle said when they said, uh, what do you think of Tiger Woods? He says, I don't know, I've never played it. 
And, you know, it's funny now, <laughs> and, and it's funny how that has come come back to haunt, haunt everybody or him because of how well his career has gone yeah. and, and what a great player he's come. But it goes to show that until that point, and that was at that LA Open there at Riviera. So until that point, nobody on tour was aware of how good he was. Yeah. And when he won in 1996 at the Las Vegas Open, you could see what was coming. And then the Masters in 97 propelled him to end the game to a whole different level. Well, this is a, this is a stage unlike any other this week that we'll see on Friday. So best of luck. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. All right. Take care. My pleasure. Thanks. All right. That was a lot of fun. And real quick before we go, we got a few minutes with the executive producer from Turner, Craig Berry. He's talking a bit about the broadcast, what it's going to look like, the drones and stuff like that. So we're going to end it with the short interview we had with him and uh, everybody enjoy the match. All right. So what is going to make this broadcast different than what we're used to seeing on TVs? What are the cool things you guys are going to be doing? Right. So I'll start the answer philosophically first. Um, you know, I just think as we approach content in general, um, there's there's some really important philosophical um, ingredients that need to, to be recognized. One is, you know, kind of to straddle that line of sports and pop culture, um, access, 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 to be as close to the player, um, to the field, or in this case the course, to the game as possible, um, be authentic, be diverse, uh, and be experiential, right? So um, I think when you take those philosophies and you apply them there, we're checking a lot of those boxes. Um, so first and foremost, um, when we talk about access, um, you know, uh, going down the line, the mics, right? Like, so making sure that we create a uh, an opportunity for the fan to create an emotional connection with both Phil and Tiger um, through the ability to hear them interact with each other and, and with the caddies. And, and essentially, you know, what the 1999 is, not only are you seeing this, this very competitive match, but you're getting to walk the course with Phil and Tiger. Um, the placement of cameras inside the ropes, steady cams, um, and, and additional camera angles that, that, once you apply to the mics, will even get us closer and more intimate um, to the personalities of the players. Um, I think uh, the drones, the drones. Yeah, great. tell us about the drones. How are they going to be used? I mean, I just think I think this will be the first time in any live sporting event that we were able to apply live drone coverage. Um, generally, uh, there's all kinds of regulations around the crowds. And, and in this case, the galleries, because we have a limited gallery, it has created a door or a portal for us to be able to access uh, drone coverage. So yet a different, a whole new lens to be able to watch the, the, the you know, the, the game through or the match through. Um, what about the microphone? So the players are going to be mic'd the whole time. Are we going to hear them the whole time or is it going to be turned off and just recorded and cut into the, to the live broadcast? Yeah. So look, I mean, if we had our way, we would have the we'd have them provide the entire narrative mm -hmm. of the match. So it's a, it's going to be uh, a balancing act, right? Between our announcers, um, which we have, you know, uh, uh, you know, quite a lot of it, if, you know, whether it's, you know, kind of Ernie, um, Darren and, and Peter. And then of course we have Adam, uh, Pat, uh, Charles and Sam. Um, and then on with bacon and, and Natalie. So, um, we have a kind of a myriad of, of, 
opportunity for people to interject and, and to kind of extend the narrative. So um, the best case scenario, and, and all of them have certain strengths that they can speak to uh, when it comes to these guys going head to head. So in the end, when ultimately um, we try to find that balance, our choice is to have their mics up and potted um, and for them to kind of drive uh, the storyline behind the match. I would also say that I just think from an approach standpoint that we understand the hardcore fan and the golf fan, but we also feel like we have an obligation to the casual fan uh, to create an entertaining product for someone who may just be watching with someone or someone who's actually watching because it's it's a, it's a relatively large event and they want to be entertained. Um, so I think they, the, the dynamic of the talent we have and the chemistry of the talent um, plus the nature of the event and the iconic nature of Phil and Tiger really lend them themselves to kind of the entertainment factor awesome well thanks so much for giving us some insight in that best of luck with the event and now we look forward to watching great thanks thanks craig be the right club be the right club today johnny that's better than most how about him that is better than most better than most Expect anything.